since mid-July, uh, we had to increase restrictions, um, which seems like a, a world away now. Um, but it's been, um, yeah, we're in a, in a mode of sort of stasis. We still have the most extreme restrictions in the state. Um, and we've just got to develop the routine of living at home in lockdown, working from home and keeping the kids home. So um, we're well and we're safe, um, but it has been, yeah, very draining and very difficult.
look, I think in that early phase where Sheffield was sort of named, and, and some, you know, I, I'm still confident saying named and shamed, um, the news would have spread through people's social media. Uh, in communities like this, people tend to use social media applications to stay in touch with family overseas and family locally, and it would have um, sort of spread out amongst those channels initially. Um, we've seen in the last fortnight SBS organising some interpretation in sort of main community languages that's been accompanying the uh, 11 a.m. press conferences. But that's only a, a recent development. And so um, there is a lot of disappointment, I believe. Uh, you know, and I, I'm prepared to express disappointment at the state government's uh, inability to get on top of that early, given um, we've now seen South Sheffield City more broadly um, featuring very high infection rates and high infection numbers. So it's something that... Um, we clearly could have done more to address much earlier on. Yeah, it's been um, it's been quite surreal, I must say. There was, there was a period of time when we got our initial restrictions landed upon us, and then probably for about four weeks from that point on. In the last two, two weeks or so, it's been a little bit uh, less this, this, this way, but it was an entirely surreal experience. You'd wake up every morning, and I'm an early riser, at five o'clock in the morning and go out for you know, with a cup, cup of coffee and there'd be a chopper overhead. Um, and it would just constantly be in low-pass flights all day until you know, 11.30, 12.30 at night, that chopper was still overhead, shaking in the house. Um, we had police cars constantly around the streets. We had police forces riding through the shopping districts uh, with this sort of very intense show of force. Um, and I don't think, I don't think it's particularly well received at all. I think there is a suspicion. I think there is um, a suspicion that has almost come to light given the choices being made in terms of this focus on compliance and that being a police uh, process. So I think any latent suspicions people may have had has um, almost become true and become manifest when we've had a particularly different treatment to other parts of the city. Uh, there was social media commentary I was um, coming across at the time that was saying, you know, the, the, the obvious observation which was the eastern suburbs wasn't experiencing this level of, of veracity at the beginning. It's actually somebody from the eastern suburbs who brought the virus to western Sydney. We now know that. Um, and but we get this sort of, you know, special treatment in inverted commas. Um, so, yeah, it hasn't done very much to engender trust, I, I would say, between the community and the state government. It's very difficult to, to comment because obviously we're in lockdown and so as a member of the community in lockdown, you can't knock somebody out very much. But in my observations, um, you know, very, very compliant. Even in the first wave that we had last year, um, we had a small outbreak in Fairfield during that crossroads outbreak. Crossroads is, a, is an area not very far from us. Um, so, you know, we had some of that manifesting, and um, immediately there were masks up everywhere in the community. Um, you know, you, you could barely notice a, a person who was obviously flouting rules. So, um, once the, the harsh restrictions were placed on this community, um, Fairfield became a ghost town. It's typically a bustling place. Um, given people's backgrounds, you know, they're not un uh, unfamiliar with the idea of keeping, you know, little um, convenience stores and tobacconists and cafes and little restaurants open 
until quite late at night. Uh, Canberra Bay, which is a neighbouring suburb of Fairfield, I live in Fairfield proper, but Canberra Bay will be the same every day. You can get a meal there during the weeknight at 11.30, and you can have your pick of a meal. You know, it's a typically bustling place, um, and it was just dead. Absolutely dead. No traffic on the road. It's just eerie sort of sound of choppers overhead. So um, I think compliance, um, I think it's a straw man. I think it's an easy target um, to give the state government a sense that they can do something about it. And it's quite visible and, and makes for great um, imagery, great optics. But uh, I think it's been overplayed and overstated in my personal view. Somebody born and bred here, obviously, I um, care about the area a lot. I work as a high school teacher, um, you know, all of sort of five or six kilometres from where I live. So I'm, I'm very connected to the community uh, and feel very close to it. And as somebody who takes a lot of pride in, in, in what we are and, and, and who we are and the diversity of, of my community, uh, as I look sort of out my window and think of the neighbours that I have on my street, you know, we've got you know, Bosnians across the road who are Syrian Iraqis next door with a Lebanese family next door across the road who's, who's a Turkish family, an Indian family aside, a Vietnamese family on the other side of the road and then the Italians here. So it just gives you a sense of how diverse it is because that's just in the six houses around me. Um, and that's something I have a lot of pride in. And so for the community to be presented in such a way, um, yeah, it was very angering and, and um, very hurtful in many respects. What made me angry was, you know, in May uh, there was a publication of um, a nine-month study, for instance, on um, the funding of hospitals in southwestern Sydney. And as it turns out, southwestern Sydney health area is, is, is services the, the highest population in Sydney, so it's got the, it's got the biggest coverage of, of, of um, people. However, it's the lowest-funded health district in the state. So. That irony today is not lost on me when you think this is where the concentration is of the cases, this is where the concentration therefore will be of people who need treatment, you'd assume. However, it's also got the lowest funding in terms of health. Um, and that study put forward you know, something like 15 or 17 recommendations, uh, including a, an immediate cash injection that the state government rejected, which I you know, find utterly appalling, particularly in the light of, of, of recent developments. So it's those kind of things that make me angry. And I think, obviously, there's a component to the narrative that I would articulate as racist in the sense that there's this kind of, uh, you know, dog whistling about other communities and how these communities don't do things this way and things are different to where you've come from and this kind of message, which is something from uh, Brad Hazard, I would say, in his, in his contribution to the 11 a.m. presses. Um, yeah, I found those to be quite offensive. Because I think it's, it's um, clearly a messaging for other parts of the city to consider southwestern Sydney and Fairfield in particular as, a, as an other, uh, a different kind of people who can't comply with rules, who, who don't get it, and who are responsible for the spread of the virus and therefore um, the continuation of a lockdown that others are having to endure because of us. And I think that's deeply problematic politically. That's how I interpret it. Yeah, yeah. 
of the tragedy that has emerged uh, in this crisis is people in this community and in neighbouring suburbs dying in their homes from the virus. Um, and I think, you, you know, your listeners may recall that this was commented on in, in the press conferences um, probably last week, if not the week before, and there was this plea to come forward and Brad Hazard explaining that it's not like where you've come from. You know, you can come and let us know that you're sick. Yet, this had happened days after um, some Kroon young men who um, worked as removalists had been plastered all over the media from this area for um, having left Sydney and spread the virus um, to a regional area. And they were named and they were photographed appeared in the press and their mum died at home um, in the day following that. And that, you know, for me was an entirely tragic situation, but what's the messaging? You know, is the messaging to come forward or is the messaging um, to hide because you've been shamed publicly as a community and you've shamed publicly uh, as individuals? Um, that's what I find deeply problematic about this. You know, please come forward and bring your loved ones to hospital if you're unwell. Otherwise, if you're out in the street doing the wrong thing, there's the military, there's police on horses, there's helicopters. It's, it's um, yeah, it's not consistent, is it? No, it's not consistent.
times the numbers were lower, but you know there are people in this neighbourhood who still can't work. Uh, you know, nearly 35, 40 percent from from the data I was looking at uh, of the sample there today are people who work in trades or as labourers. So there are people who can't work at the moment. You know, and that's a significant proportion of our population. We've got you know nearly 35 percent of the local area are single income families. A lot of our storefronts have been closed for most of this, um, for most of the, the crisis. Um, we tend not to have many people employed locally. Most of our local employment is in retail and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's been pretty difficult. Um, a lot of our smaller food vendors and, 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 and restaurants and so on have either been totally shut or operating on a much more, you know, much minimised uh, level, which has been very difficult and very hard on the community. So, you know, the margins are tight in a community like this, I think, in terms of running a business, um, given the generalised sort of poverty in the region and, and so on. So it's going to be interesting to see who, who comes out the other end. Um, I, I hope, for the sake of the community, that, that most of it can hold together um, and we can get through it together because local businesses here that are supported by the community are, are supported because they connect to the community and, and meet the community's needs in a very uh, um, intimate way and I think it would be a great shame if um, they were replaced by you know, larger conglomerates and you know, our outposts of various franchises and so on because it's cheaper, you know, yeah. cheap, yeah, cheap, uh, yeah, cheap, cheap property, that's right. If you think about what's happened to, to TAFE, um, I'm not sure how familiar your listeners would be, but you know, TAFE has been essentially gutted yeah, at every level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's a factor. You know, when, when my um, you know my, my father came out post-war, but my mother's family came out here in the, in the 1960s and early 70s. And at that time, places like TAFE were willing to go to night school and, and do an English language class, and it was free. Yeah. Um, it's no longer the case. Uh, we uh, have become acquainted with a, a family of refugees here from, um, from Syria, which led to even more recent conflicts. And um, we were trying to assist them getting some greater supports and, and making some phone calls, which they weren't equipped to do because of the language barriers. And as it turns out, they were offered you know, six months of federal government support um, upon arrival, and then it was just essentially cut off. And um, any supports that they required were no different to what the rest of the community would receive, despite the fact that their needs were obviously quite specific and quite different. Um, so that goes to, to some way, I guess, to answering yeah. your question in terms of um, how difficult it is. Yeah. is that, you know, claiming her Middle Eastern ancestry as um, some sort of evidence that she understands what it's like to be here and be around here, um, yeah, it doesn't wash with the locals here. Uh, what we need is, in 
comprehensive support. What we need is services that are well funded. What we need is our all of our services and infrastructure to be funded at a level which will enable the people's community to grow and flourish and, and contribute in their fullest possible way. And that mindset, had that been in place from the off, would have meant that the outbreak would have been managed very differently here. And I believe there actually would have been less deaths in this area um, and the hospitals would all be surviving in a much 